We have been in a series recently, and it's about building your foundation. Okay. Chris last week talked about, uh, well, let's ask, what did Chris talk about last week? Let's see if you're paying attention, because that way I'll know if y'all are paying attention to me this week. What? Repentance. That's right. Repentance is what Chris was talking about. Now, repentance is a prerequisite to salvation. How many of you knew that? That's right. Repentance is meaning this. Okay, I'm going down this road for you guys who weren't here last week. Okay, if God's out this door and my life and the world is going out this door, then repentance means that, hey, I'm going toward the world, but hey, I turn away from myself and the world and I turn to God. And I come into agreement with him <clears throat> that, um, that I have sin in my life. And then, of course, salvation comes. You know, John, the Baptist, preached it time and again that, you know, repent of your sins and turn to the good news. Well, today I want to talk to you about a foundation principle of faith. Now, faith, um, how many of you have faith? Let me raise your hand. Okay, some of you, you're still not sure. You kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you got little faith. How many, how many of you got little faith? Yep, okay, little faith. How many of you have great faith? All right, great, good. Well, today, I'll sort of lay out the message for you, okay? We'll have a lecture part, and then we'll have what I like to call a lab part, okay? And then, we get to go to the better part is the application part. Okay? So, faith. If I look at my life, when I was about 12 years old, I repented and, and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Okay? So I have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there are also many types of faith, like my wife, for instance. You know, in a couple of weeks, Becky and I, we will have been together for 28 years. Now, I'm not married 28 years. I'm not that old, right? Just look that old. So, but we've been married for 23 and a half years, and we have been together for 28 years. So I have faith in my wife because she has been faithful to me, and I have been faithful to her. Now, how many of you have a job? That's a good thing, isn't it? You know, you have faith in that job, right? That you're going to show up. Hopefully it's on time. <laughs> yeah, right on time. And you have faith that if you get in there and do that work, what are you going to receive? A paycheck. That's right. Do you know that everybody in this room exhibited faith this morning in coming to church? Regardless of whether you're saved, whether you knew it or not, you exhibited faith. Do you know that you're only about three or four feet from disaster, but you have faith that first, when you go to get in your car, you crank it up, you just on this road, that the person coming towards you has enough wherewithal to say, hey, I know the laws and I'm going to stay on my side of the road. Well, if you work in insurance, that don't always happen. <laughs> we see it about 10 to 15 times a week where people, you know, well, we had an accident. Nah, you didn't have an accident. Uh, you were probably just playing on your phone. So, but I have faith that the people were going to stay 
on their side of the road when I got here. So today we're going to walk through some things on faith. And I want to encourage you that faith truly is a process. And, and how you get from little faith, faith to great faith, you have to exercise. It has to be activated. It requires, I believe, intentionality. You have to be intentional about the things of faith. So let's first define faith. Okay? Faith is defined as a complete trust or confidence in something or someone. Faith is an operation of the Holy Spirit. And I do like this definition. This is sort of the biblical definition. And then we'll back up with the scripture. It says, faith is the assurance that the things revealed and promised in the word are true. Even though we can't see them, it gives us the believer conviction, a conviction that what we expect in faith will come to pass. You know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Now, the title of the message is Faith. Alive or is it dead? My prayer today... I feel I really feel like God has given me a message and I pray my prayer is that you will hear it as truth and that you'll be able to apply it and that you'll know it's good news for you. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. You know, so if you, you know, if you got something to write with, you know, we'll kind of go through a lot of scripture today and you may just want to reference it and go back to it later on. You know, if you got, like I do a lot of notes on my phone and that kind of stuff. So, if you want to, you can jot, the, jot a lot of these scriptures that we're going through today. But I want you to see that faith truly is a foundation principle in which you have to have at your core as a believer. Because, you know, really, like Hebrews eleven six says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So let me, let me, let's back up just a moment because first things first is do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You know, have you, like, like we're talking about, have you repented from the world and turned to God? Because see, that's where it has to begin. You know, y'all, we have a lot of guests here with baby dedication, don't we? Now, we welcome you guys here. We thank you for coming. Have the Huey family here as well for a special time of prayer. And maybe you just thought you were coming for a baby dedication. Maybe you caught, thought you were just coming for a time of prayer. Maybe you were just coming in and you were just driving by and you stopped in and said, Hey, you know what? I, I need to be at church today. I don't know what reason or what got you here. But I can tell you you're not here by accident. You're here because God has ordained this time for you to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So first things first is do you know him? I don't want to make any assumptions today. And if you don't know him, then I invite you to come to see me or, you know, Steve or Bill or, or you just come to us and I promise you we can lead you to salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, that is an act of faith on our part. You know, when you put your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ, 
That's an act of faith on your part. You're trusting that what Jesus did on the cross provide the pathway to God and starts a relationship with him. You know, without faith, faith in action or faith without works, it's like this. And we had it, if you guys would come on, on the first Friday night of, uh, of every, every month, we have CFM in and we're going through a study with, with Tony Evans. And we talked about this, about making Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay. It's one thing to say, hey, yeah, I, I want to trust him because I don't want to go to hell. Because that's, that's the reality of it is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, there's two alternatives when you die. Okay. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to hell. It's just that simple. You know, yes, there's weeping. There's gnashing of teeth in hell. There's burning. I can tell you firsthand accounts of guys that I have known who told me that, that have actually died and went to hell and got, was fortunate enough to come back and get saved and change their eternity. But you know, the greatest, the greatest tragedy of all is you have forfeited every opportunity at that point in time to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So it's a done deal. So I make no assumptions, like I say, today in that. You know, faith in Christ we're always learning. You're continuing on that path and of righteousness. But you know what? You're never fully arriving. You know, if you... Religion is... Religion may be fine for some. But religion is not a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you can see a lot of times with religion, like when you look in the Bible and Pharisees, you know, with the long robes. And, you know, they feel like they've really arrived. How many of you feel like you've arrived in your faith you know hopefully no one hopefully we're all on that path continually just seeking God but I want to warn you never become so naive that don't think you can fall back into sin because let me tell you it can happen and it does happen but you know what God provides grace he truly truly provides grace See, those of us who have faith in Christ, we realize that we need Christ every day. And we always have to be on guard. So now we're going to turn to some scripture. And we're going to be in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. It'll be up here on the screens for you. It says this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of say, say, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Hey, goodbye. You have a good day and stay warm and hey, eat well. But you didn't, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds or good works. It is dead and is useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Guess what? Good for you. Look at that next verse. 
Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? See, when you look at those verses, you can continue on. And it gives a real life example of back in Old Testament times about Abraham, how he was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac. How many remember a son where God had promised him a son, he finally gives him a son, you know, and then lo and behold, God asked him to kill him, to sacrifice his, his one and only son. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. He was willing to do that. Because that's what God told him. But God made a provision. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Now, think about your life. I mean, take take time for self-reflection. Can God say that about you and me? Can he say, hey, Mark, Mark believed me and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. What's it say about you? As you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Get this, Rahab, the prostitute. Man, God can use anybody, right? You sit there and you say, God can't use me. I don't have much. Look. He used a prostitute in another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also your faith is dead without good works. Now, you know, earlier I mentioned in a message, you know, we have like the lecture part. And I like the lab part, you know, because you can go to sleep during lecture. Some of you are asleep. I see your eyes closed. So it's time to wake up. <laughs> it's time for lab. Okay. How many of you have been to lab class? How many of you ever had lab? Okay. What did you do in lab? In biology. I'm talking about biology. I had biology in, I think, the ninth grade. So how many of you had biology lab? What did you get to do at biology lab? You get to do what? You get to dissect what? Frog. Everybody done dissected the frog, right? Everybody's done dissected the frog. I, if I remember correctly, my teacher in, in biology was Miss Shelton. <clears throat> if memory serves me right now. And uh, I'm telling my age, that's been, oh my word, that'd be 30 years this year. Good gracious. Man, I'm getting old. Good gracious. Yes, I graduated in 92. That's right. That's 30, that's 30 years. Am I right? How did I, how did I get that old? Good gracious, man! That just sort of hits me. Okay, but anyway, I want you to remember back in biology. I can remember I had a guy, Marquise Glenn was the name, little little black fella. Me and him were were uh, good friends, and um, and he had a he had a little speech impediment, and uh, man, we had a ball. 
And I let him be the doctor, you know, because he wanted to be the scalpel holder. You know, I got to do scalpel. You know, that was, you know, you always fussed about who's going to be the scalpel, you know, who's going to be the doctor. Well, <laughs> he ain't no doctor. He went into the military. He went into killing because <laughs> he mutilated that frog. I mean, it was not, it was not good at all. We didn't learn anything from what lab was supposed to be designed for. You know, because lab is really supposed to be, okay, hey, you know, we'll teach you over here and lecture, just like they, you know, I'm telling you about what faith is. We go back and we look at scripture. And then lab is, you know, sort of reinforce that learning. You know, so today that's what we're going to look at. We're going to take some real life situations and we're going to discuss how we should apply God's word to our, to our lives. Okay. So we'll start out with the easy one. And this is time where I expect feedback. I don't say just bed can don't keep sleeping. You know, it's time to wake up and you know, you talk to me and I'm good with that, you know. Is it God's will for anybody to die and go to hell? Okay. Back it up with scripture. What scripture you got to give me? Ah, oh, that's mine. John three sixteen, that's what I said. John three for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever or everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see in that, just in that one scripture, that's just the truth. That's God's word. He has no desire for you. If you're here today and you don't know him and you're headed down this this road right here, it is not God's will for you to head down that road. He wants you to repent. He wants you to come to him. And accept his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. Okay, so he said, very good. Y'all did good. All right? So now, I'm going to make it a little bit harder. Why does bad things happen to Christians? Hmm. Why do bad things happen to good people? They could test your faith. What are you saying, Gary? Yep, it did. It did change everything. Anybody else care to have a scripture that you can think of? Why do why do bad things happen to good people? Hmm? Romans five. Let's see, Chris. Let's see what I got down here. Let's see. What does Romans five five say? All right. Everybody hear that? Good. Another scripture I put down was this in Matthew five forty-five. Probably have heard it. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. Meaning, you know what? If you if you're lost here today, you don't know Jesus Christ. Guess what? You gonna have some good days. <laughs> you you gonna have fun days. But you also gonna have bad days. You as believers, you gonna have good days. But guess what? You gonna have some crappy days. That's just the way life is. Good. Oh man! Now I'm gonna go from preaching down to meddling. <laughs> what about families? What about families? What does God say about a family? So let's start with. Let's start with the dad. Let's start with the man. What does God say about the man in the house? Okay, he should be the spiritual leader. 
of the household. Very good. What else? Should be protector. Good. Yep. He should love the wife as Christ loved the church. So let's play this out a little bit. Let's say, and this is for you guys. Let's say, guys, you got a great wife. Man, she she is truly that helpmate that God, that you vision what God would give you. What's he command you to do to her? Hmm? Love her. As Christ loved the church. Ooh, but now let's flip the coin. Let's say you got a strong woman. <laughs> I ain't going to No, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> that is not a good thing. Being a strong woman is nothing wrong with being a strong woman, ladies. You know, back... It's probably been, what, two or three years ago, I think I preached on Mother's Day. And I talked about... and You have to forgive me. I watched a show that proves that man couldn't make it alone if he had never created Eve. If you've ever seen the movie, uh, the show Naked and Afraid, <laughs> I will tell you firsthand, more men, if you've ever seen that show, more men tap out than the women do. That's crazy. Women have an incredible, incredible determination incredible and by far let me explain something to you guys they are not the weaker sex they truly are not the weaker sex but let's say you got a strong woman and she fights you tooth and nail you can't get no relief from that woman and it seems like everything you do is a battle in your home with her what's God tell you to do yeah, love her. See, God don't discriminate, does he? He doesn't say, hey, if you got a good one, love her. If you got a bad one, kick her out. You know, that'd be easy, wouldn't it? You have to be able to put your faith in God's word to believe that, hey, if I love that woman like Christ loved the church, he's going to deal with that. He'll make he'll make her and he'll mold her and he'll shape her to what he wants her to be. That true helpmate. Okay, so now let's go to the let's go to the guys, because guys um I feel like it's a it's free game. Wives, what about you? Say you got a great husband, great provider, you know, loves you. <clears throat> But say on the flip side, say some of you, some of you ladies, let's just call it for what it is. Say you got a turd. <laughs> let's just be honest. Say you got a turd. It's bad, ain't it? But you know I'm right. It's tough. Say you got a guy who's selfish. Say you got a guy that. You know, I will pick on some some of you guys, and I know I probably might get punched after service, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. You know, you're still playing video games at 30 and 40 years old. You know, you're, you're doing things that, you know, men shouldn't. 
I don't think a man should do, you know. You're selfish. Women, your turn. What's God say? Huh? Honor him. Love him. What else? Support him. Submit. Oh, that's what I'm looking for right there. Submission. Oh, my Lord. And I can hear, I can hear some of y'all now. I can hear it in your I knew he was going there. I just knew it. I just knew it. Listen, back a couple of weeks, Becky and I, we went, we went to James Island County Park. And there was a, a, a sweet Christian lady that was right beside us camping. And, uh, and I don't even know how we even, Becky probably tell you, I, I was in and out because me and Mary Catherine were catching lizards. And so I was in and out of the conversation with a lady goes, she says, well, you know, um, the, you know, the Bible may say that the, that the man's the head of the household, but we all know who the neck is, don't we? I was like, I was like, what? The neck, the neck, and she, and, and uh, she, of course, you know what that means is the guy, the, the head of the household, maybe may right here, <laughs> but the woman's gonna turn it. <laughs> that may be in Mildred three sixteen, but there ain't no Mildred three sixteen in the Bible. Okay, so what God has given you, ladies, is this: is submit to your husband. As to the Lord. And if you need a reference, here's your reference. Ephesians 5, 22. Now, I want you to hear what I'm about to say for you ladies. Is this. Submission, submitting to your husband is not a place of weakness. It truly isn't. You know, the world is going to tell you. That, hey, you have to wait until he starts loving you as Christ loved the church in order to do your part. God's word is not conditional as far as that goes. You don't wait till he does his part before you start doing your part. What happens if it hinges on you doing your part for him to do his part? You have to, you have to come into agreement with Christ in that this place is a place of power. Ladies, it truly is a place of power because here's what it does. You're coming in agreement with Christ and his word, and you know what you're doing. You're showing your trust in God's word and in Christ. You're putting your faith in God to do that work in your husband's life and in your marriage. Because the sad reality is this. If you got a husband that's not doing that and he starts doing it, when God breaks his heart and he's convicted to start loving you as Christ of the church and you're not doing your part, you'll kill. And that's for you guys too. You'll kill the work that God has meant for both of you. And let me explain something to you. God is a God of grace. And you and I need to exhibit grace with our spouse. Because how many of y'all, how many of you guys get it right all the time? Raise your hand. Okay, ladies, there's no one that can help me out. Okay, I was hoping somebody could help me out. Okay, ladies, how many of you get it right all the time? Oh, God, please don't raise your hand. Okay, so 
Of course we don't get it right. We have to extend grace to one another. We have baby dedication today. What does your faith say about your children? How many of you have children? Raise your hands. Okay. Some of you have children. Some of you, of course, have grandchildren. What does God's word say about why it's so important for you to put your faith in God's word and in his principles? What does God say about your kids? Okay, you're teaching your children. Yeah, you're you're always you're always teaching them. You're always training them, right? Yep, they will. They'll follow an example, and so you better make sure you get it right. You know, but you ain't gonna get it right all the time. That's where you have grace. All right, who else? What's the Bible say? That's right. Train up a child. And that's in Proverbs 22.6. It says, train up a child on the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. They will not depart from it. Now, I will tell you this. Let me, for you new parents, I've been raised women all my life. So, I'm definitely, I'm definitely experienced in women, if that makes sense. Not in not in a bad way, but in a good way. Next, I said next week or next, that's the following week. In, in two weeks, I'll be 48 years old. So for 48 years, y'all, I've lived with women all my life. I was raised with a mom with two sisters, no brothers, my dad. And now it's me and my wife and my three daughters. One bathroom, 1,200 square foot house. Everybody's getting ready, and that's why I have no hair. (laughs) So, when you look at your children, I want to give you a scripture. It says this in Psalms 37, 26. It says, the godly always gives generously, and guess what their children are? Their children are a blessing. I work in Winsboro, and... Kyra can tell you, because Kyra works with me. You would not believe the amount of times that me and Kyra both have to correct people when they come in that office. And the kids run around and, you know, just it's like chaos until one of us goes out there and we play with them while the other, while the parent takes care of business. And you know what most of the times the parents say? They say, he's just bad. He's just rotten. You know. It's cursing your children. That's what you're doing. Psalms 37, 26 says, hey, children are a blessing. Proverbs 13, 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. How many of you like discipline? How many times have you disciplined your children and they liked it? They enjoyed it? You know? Now, I've had... (laughs) Peyton was probably our toughest one. You know, 
Peyton, you could spank her and she'd turn around and laugh at you. You know, Julia, you could look at Julia and of course we, we spanked her too, but you could look at Julia and, you know, pretty much correct her. Mary Catherine is sort of like a smorgasbord of both of them. You know, you can look at her sometimes and then other times you just have to whip her. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is, you know. And I don't say whipping in abuse, of course. I'm talking about discipline. But you parents that are down here, of course, you know, you got older children. So, you know, she's a product of, I mean, she's a grown woman now, right? So, but you guys are just starting out. Um, I'll tell you right now, as a parent, if you'll do the work, the first three, maybe max five years, you won't, you will have it easy. Okay. The Bible doesn't say, hey, um, children, train up your parents because <laughs> you'll get what you want. That's not scriptural, right? But I'm going to tell you what, that happens a lot in today's world. You know, if you look at parents today, man, the kids run the household. And that's not, that is not God's divine order. But we do need to look at our children as a blessing and see it, as see them as a blessing. Our faith should be evidenced in our children. It, it really ought to be evidence in our children. That, hey, the word of God is true. That, hey, I love my kids enough to discipline them. You know, how many of you, when you have you ever told your kid, hey, this hurts you more than, it hurt, than it's going to hurt me? How many of you ever said that? You know? I ain't. It didn't bother me a bit. <laughs> I just knew what God told me to do, you know? But I didn't abuse my children. You know, I wanted to correct the baby. Basically, what you want in this one is this. If that child's going toward that door and you know that death is on the other side of that door, what are you going to do? You're going to try to stop them. You're going to try to correct that child and get them back this way. And that's what this one is meant to be. It's not to see how many times you cut their tail or how fast you can get your belt off. It's meant to correct that child to get them to repent. That's what discipline does. And dads and moms, both alike, God's giving you that command in his word. Now, we're going to move into, this will be the last part, before we move into the application part. Okay? Last question. Does God or can God heal? Yes. Okay. Anybody got any scripture that they can back it up with? What did God do? I can hear you. There you go. By his stripes, we are healed. What else? Who else? Come on, y'all. Many miracles Jesus did. Y'all can't come up with nothing. Come on now. Yep. There you go. So there's no doubt that God heals, right? You know, one scripture that God had given me was in Matthew 9, and we're going to start at verse 18. It says, As Jesus was saying this, the leader of the synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter had just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you come and lay your hand on her. 
So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up from behind. She touched the fringe of his robe because she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around immediately and said, daughter, be encouraged. What has made you well? What is it that he says? Your faith has made you well. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and he heard the funeral music. He said, hey, get out. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. Of course, we know about Lazarus raising from the dead. We know that he's driven out demons. So there is no doubt that God can heal. But let me ask you an important question. Is God obligated to heal? No. So, faith without works is dead. But I also believe that you have not, because you ask not, because that's what the Bible says, right? So, last week we had a fundraiser here for, for MacUE. And on behalf of the family, they're very appreciative of, they're very appreciative of what the church allowed them to, to come and have the benefit for him to raise money to help with that with Dr. Bills. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to get his family to come up. <clears throat> Mac Huey is, is here today, and his mom and dad are here as well. And uh, what we're going to do is this, as far as the application part, is that, you know, this church, and I know some of you are visiting today, and so... Um, but this church is a believing church, and we believe in the power of prayer, and we also believe that God does heal, that he is not obligated to heal, of course. But when we align God's word to our lives, he can do immeasurably more than what we can ever think or imagine. And I'm going to get, I think Sarah Beth is going to, <clears throat> going to tell you a little bit about Mac's story. Hey everybody! Um, so this is this is our Mac, and um, I know many of y'all have lifted prayers on his behalf, um, and it is so wonderful that y'all are um, have asked us to come today um, to share his story. But Mac was involved in um, in an accident on his uh, motorcycle on December twenty eighth, and he suffered a traumatic brain injury. And um, upon being admitted into the hospital into the trauma ward um he had covid as well so he was in isolation for two weeks we couldn't see him couldn't touch him um it was horrible um but uh we were told many many things over those two weeks within the first couple of days we got a call that said um his brain is swelling to the point it's causing him to have seizures and we have to take part of his skull out so on new year's eve at 4.30 in the morning, um, he had a hemocraniectomy and half of his skull has been removed, which is why he has this nice little headpiece here. But we're getting it put back in on May the 20th and the little headpiece gets to go away. Um, and I'm going to get to that part, but um, the next week I got a call from one of the resident doctors at, uh, at the hospital. She was brand new and... Um, Basically, they had to, to get him off of um, the respirator, uh, the ventilator. Um, 
because they had him you know, intubated and over time that can cause more problems than it causes good. So um, she asked for my permission um, to do a tracheostomy and a feeding peg. And, um, and I said, I have, you know, utmost confidence in you guys. You're the medical experts. And um, I said, do whatever you have to do to make him live. And she told me it was unsurvivable. She told me on the phone that my son's injury was unsurvivable. But I did not listen to her. And I demanded to speak with someone else. Because I didn't believe that. I didn't believe that God let my baby lay for three hours for, for him to die. No, I don't believe that. One bit. Um, Mac was by himself when he had his accident, and Mike and Robbie and Michelle found him. And he wasn't, he wasn't going to lay there for three hours for, for somebody to tell me a week and a half later he's not going to survive it. That's not going to happen. My God knows what he's doing. And um, Mac pulled through it. And when his isolation ended, um, and they let me go in there, he knew exactly who I was, and he squeezed my hand. Um, and that floored the doctors. Um, and then we got to Atlanta, and he started talking. He started walking, and um, his memory's getting better. And every day it's something new, and every day it's something better, and... Um, he went to see his neurosurgeon last week, and she walked in, and she says, you're, you're walking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am, he is walking. And she said, man, your family's got the faith. And I said, yes, ma'am, we do. We do. So this is, this is Mac. This is who you, you guys have been praying for, and we appreciate that so much. And now Mac don't know it, but when um, Robbie he actually called he actually called man he was he was on the phone calling prayer warriors, and Mac was the only person I think probably that we had to hit back to back prayer chains at the same time. If you're on the prayer chain list, uh, I give the prayer chain, and then about two minutes later Angie was giving the prayer chain to pray for Mac, and so we we've been fervently praying, you know, for Mac. I'm going to get Brent Beam and Renee and them to come up. Brent had a similar injury, if you guys remember, back last year. And um, and same situation, you guys remember. He had, a, he had a helmet on. He had to have part of his skull removed. Had a brain injury. And, man, look at this. That's how good God is. And so I've asked Brent to come on behalf of, you know, the church family because, I mean, I think he carries authority and I think their faith carries authority. So, but also I want to ask you as a church family, you know, how we do it. We come forward and we're going to just pray. I mean, Mac, he's, he's doing the work. You know, faith without works is dead. I mean, he's having to go through rehab and he's, man, he's come a long way, but he has a little ways to go. He's got other surgeries and I'm, Mac, I'm pretty safe to say you're going to keep working, ain't you? Yeah, he's going to keep working. You know, it was a beautiful time. We, we, me and Becky were talking to, to, his, to his granddaddy, Jimmy. And he said, you know, I prayed that Mac would be strong enough to make it through surgery. And he did. I prayed God would allow him to talk. And he did. And so 
I know this this family is a family of faith. And so you, you guys are very fortunate in that, of course. So church, if you guys would come, we're just going to have a time. And how we do it here, if, you, if you're not comfortable coming, then that's perfectly fine. You stay in your seat. But I'm going to get the church to come. And, and we're just going to voice prayer on behalf of Mac. Uh, Brent's going to start us off. And then I'll close us up. And uh, so you guys come as, as the Lord leads you. And we'll just have a special time. And then after that time, we'll be dismissed.